This is the Morning Rush. From the palatial WCMD studio, high atop Industrial Boulevard, on the south side of the Queen City, baby. And I say we because I'm joined in the studio once again by the venerable one. Yes. Mr. Mike Burke. Welcome back. Thank you. Good you morning. came. You came back. I came back. I <laughs> where else would I want to be? After jumping back into the pool uh, last week, yes, you dipped your toe in and you decided, ah, eh, we'll, we'll dive back in for hey, another, at least another, one more week. It's a, <laughs> it's only the first ten minutes that hurt, you know, <laughs> at this time of the day. But it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's uh, great to be here. Well, Mike and I are going to talk about a lot of stuff, as you can imagine, over the next two hours. Uh, for instance. Uh, we'll check out how the Bucks, O's, and Nats fared on Monday. Uh, two of the three uh, were victorious. Uh, are you hyped about uh, the summer games in Japan, which kick off uh, this Friday? Can the Bucks uh, put away the Suns tonight and win the NBA title? And the NCAA says football games will not – well, not the NCAA, I'm sorry, the SEC mm. – says football games will not be canceled uh, this season. And all the power of five conferences are kind of sending out the same message that uh, you better get healthy or you're just not going to play. <laughs> so we'll talk about all of that and more uh, coming up in the next two hours of the show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off this terrific Tuesday morning. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Hit me up on Twitter at uh, WCMD Morning Rush. Uh, my page at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. And uh, the Venerable One's uh, Twitter page at Mike Burke MDT. Also, our Facebook page at WCMD Cumberland Radio. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Come on, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. Just download the app to your phone or tablet. Search uh, WCMD Morning Rush. We upload every show every day. Minus commercials, so if you miss anything that I talk about on a Monday or Friday or that Mike and I talk about on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's the schedule for now. Go back to the podcast page on our Podbean app, and there you go. So if you say that there's no way you can get involved, that you, there's no way you can reach out and you know contact us, uh, I don't believe you because there's a million ways for you to do it, and I just ran it down for you. All right, uh, let's kick off today's show as we kick off every show with a rock around the region. And we're going to start uh, with Major League Baseball, where the Nationals and Juan Soto absolutely went off on the Marlins in D.C. The 0-1. Soto hits it to deep left center field. This one going, going, and it is gone! Juan Soto with a three-run homer. And the Nationals now lead it 18-0. That's, you heard him right, 18-0. Uh, the call on the Nationals radio network, two home runs, five RBI for Soto as the Nats crushed the fish 18-1. to uh, Things were so bad for Miami that Washington's pitcher, John Lester, even got in on the action. Lester swings and drives one to deep center field. This is way back. This 
Lester, his fourth career home run, a two-run shot. He also pitched seven scoreless innings to pick up the easy win. He is the first starting pitcher to go seven scoreless and homer in the same game. Mike, you remember this guy. Since Phil Necro did it 43 years ago in a complete game effort back in 1982. Uh, Trey Turner, homer, tripled, and drove in four runs for the Nats. Elsewhere, the Orioles, Mike's Orioles. Yes. We're in Tampa Bay looking for their first win of the season over the Rays. Valenka into center field. This will get down to base six, score at least one. Here comes Urias, and he is in. Valenka to second base behind the play. It's a two-run single with two outs in the sixth. Pat Valenka comes through to double the Oriole lead. The call on Mid-Atlantic Sports Net. Pat Valenka's two-run shot was part, not a shot, but you know what, a hit was part of a four-run sixth inning. The O's went on to beat the Rays 6-1 to one and tie a season high with their third straight victory. Uh, O's are now 1-6 against the Rays this season. Rookie Spencer Watkins continues uh, to impress. He was the man on the mound once again. He gave up just one run in six innings, struck out seven, walked two. Uh, he lowered his ERA from 1.74 to 1.65. Uh, Austin Hayes had three hits and drove in a run for Baltimore. Mike, you like this uh, Watkins kid so far? Two and zero. He's looking pretty yeah, decent. Yeah, he, I tell you, he, he he handles himself like he's like he, he like just, a venerable one. Yeah, you 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 assume without knowing, without thinking about it, that the Orioles made a deal with another major league team, brought in a seasoned veteran. Right. He just has very good command of himself and composure, and he works at a good pace, and he has command of his pitches. And uh, last night, the low strike was being called, and, man, he just peppered it. And, uh, you know, both pitchers kind of benefited a little bit from that the umpire strike zone. Maybe a ball width, you know, was going their way either way. So, yeah, he, he took advantage of it. It's very impressive. I, I've seen uh, his last two starts, and, I, you know, you feel, you feel comfortable when he's out there. He has uh, allowed three earned runs. In four starts, yeah. sixteen in the third innings. Yeah, uh, again, you, you, you know, he was a thirty thirtieth round draft pick. I mean, right. there aren't even thirty rounds in the draft anymore. <laughs> That's and right. so, you know, he has over seven hundred minor league innings, and you know that there, there's a reason they did it that way for a long time. Right. That's experience and. Uh, uh, it, that, that's composure, and you certainly see it in Spencer Watkins. He's uh, he spent uh, uh, I think a handful of years in the Tigers organization. Mm-hmm. Didn't even pitch last year. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Didn't even pitch. That's that's crazy. He was very close to taking a freshman high school coaching job. Yes, uh, before the Orioles called on him. Now, I'm not, look, I'm not saying he's on his way to the Hall of Fame, but no. for I mean, it makes a great story. Yep. So far, so far. Uh, he's pitched very, very well. And he's just a very stabilizing uh, presence for a pitching staff that certainly that needs, needs stabilizing. any stabilization <laughs> it can right. receive. Uh, out West last night, the Pirates kicked off a six-game road trip with a 4-2 loss to the Diamondbacks. Uh, Arizona hit three home runs in the game, including a two-run shot by Eduardo Escobar. Also had back-to-back solo shots in the first inning. Uh, Caleb Smith, six and two-thirds, solid for the D-backs, allowing two runs on six hits with seven strikeouts. Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds 
uh, RBI singles for the Bucks. Before the game, the Pirates acquired left-handed pitcher Dylan Peters uh, from the Angels for cash considerations. Uh, he was immediately sent down to AAA Indy to make room on the roster. Pittsburgh DFA'd reliever Kyle Crick, which actually was kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people saw, especially Kyle Crick. Uh, <laughs> They're always the last. That coming. They're always the last to know. And in the NFL, the Steelers signed edge rusher Melvin Gordon yesterday. It's a one-year deal, according to NFL Network. Uh, the 32-year-old Gordon – wait a minute, I have the wrong name. Is it Gordon or Ingram? Why do I have two last names here, Mike? I don't know. That's why we, you have, I have you here to keep me in check. Well, I'm, I'm over here. <laughs> Literally three feet away. Yes. How did I screw that up? i got to look it up now. Hold on one second. Give me a – talk, talk amongst yourself. Very, yes, I – Quite accomplished at that. It's Ingram. Uh, who's Melvin Gordon? He's a running back. Melvin Gordon's a running back. Okay. I'm, I apologize. Edge rusher Melvin Ingram. Uh, it's a one-year deal. Uh, the 32-year-old Ingram spent his first nine seasons of his career with the Chargers, where he recorded 49 sacks and was a three-time Pro Bowler. Now, uh, last season, Ingram played in just seven games because of a nagging knee injury and for the first time in his career did not record a sack. So uh, there you go. Steelers hoping he can get healthy and hopefully uh, pick up some of the slack after losing Bud Dupree to free agency. And that is your rock around the region brought to you by the Caporale Group. Give me a, I need a pen. i got to fix that right now. Or else. Oh, thanks. Look at that. There you go. Johnny on the spot. Hey, it's not Melvin Gordon is the running back. He should play for like the Broncos. I can't. I, mean, I actually played for the Chargers now I think about it. But it is Melvin Ingram. What the heck? Here we go. <laughs> have it, have it. Oh, there we go. All right, there we go. There's your pen back, Mike. Thank you very Thanks. much. All right, so uh, we talked briefly about the Orioles, uh, and we mentioned the Nationals uh, going off. And a buddy of mine, who I who I spent uh, this past weekend with, amongst other friends as well, and we talked about that off the air. Uh, took his two sons to their very first Nationals game. Okay. And they got the whole deal. They got the tickets, and they got like the hotel rooms. They're going to go to the game, stay the night. And his boy's very excited. He sent pictures. They're all decked out in their Nationals gear. You know, one had a Trey Turner jersey. The other one had a, a Juan Soto jersey. And uh, they get down there, and after he complains about the exorbitant uh, price to park, it's like 50 bucks a park near the stadium, okay. which is that's insane. That's a, that's, that should be criminal, really. Well, particularly since you know you never know when gunfire is going to break oh, out. Oh yeah, in well, the yeah. That was how about that was crazy. I know. Absolutely nuts. Right outside the stadium on Saturday. Yeah. Talked oh, about that yesterday. Southeast DC. But uh, yeah, so he takes them down there, and they go into the game, and they have seats along the first baseline. Mm. He sends us all a text. One of his boys got hit in the face. Oh. With a foul ball, Marlins are taking batting practice. Bloodies his nose. So, and he had to actually be taken back and seen by the, the Nationals medical sure. staff personnel, whatever. However, after the fact, they gave him like a big bag of Nationals like gear uh-huh. and swag and whatnot. And so we we're like, well, is he okay? And he's like, yeah, he's okay. He said, but now he's got. The foul ball. He got a baseball. His very first national. He got a baseball. Yeah. Might be some blood on. It. I don't know if it's bloody or not. <laughs> and he gets a huge bag full of national swag. Yeah. You know, for taking for basically taking one for the team and taking a foul ball 
And after our concern was done, he was like, you know what? He said, this is going to make for a pretty good story. Mm. You know, first baseball game, first Nationals game ever. Yeah, the dad didn't get hit. The dad didn't get hit. The kid got hit. <laughs> and uh, he gets a baseball and there's a lot of free gear out of the deal. And uh, one of, uh, another one of my friends uh, chimed in and said, yeah, he said, chicks are going to dig that story. Yeah, man. So, and I even brought up to you uh, before you came in today, Anything, and I know you've been to uh, a ton of games uh, over your years. Any weird or unusual thing happened to you at a game, whether it be baseball, football, whatever, that just turned into a a happy ending, a great story that you like to tell every now and then? At, not Because my friend was like, All right, now that my boy's okay, it's a great yeah, story. Man. Of course it's a great story. Because yeah. everything worked out. Anything had to go down? I know it, it, the, the catalog is deep if you're – uh, attendance of games. And the mind is hazed. <laughs> um, first of all, the way they had the nets up, I'm curious how, how your, your friend's son was able to take a foul ball. I, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, it had to be a pop. It had to be one that popped up over the net. Um, you don't see Ray Ray foul balls in batting practice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. It happened. That's all. Right, right, right. Uh, I was, that's just curious. But yeah, I didn't think about that. That's, good, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think I'll never forget when I was 10, my Uncle Mort took us to Baltimore and had arranged for us to meet Brooks Robinson, uh, which was big deal. Sure. And still is. You know, I was just 10, but uh, that was arranged. Uh, one night, uh, my friend Bill Feeney and I were uh, at a game. Uh, the Orioles were playing somebody, and it was at Memorial Stadium. And as we were walking to our car, we stopped by uh, where the uh, fans were waiting for the Orioles to come out of the players' exit along the left field line at Memorial Stadium, and getting autographs and everything. And I was just – we were just – you know, we – we're, you know, college aged, and of course, you know, we've been enjoying ourselves all evening. So, uh, Elrod Hendricks was a uh, former Orioles catcher and long, long time coach for the Orioles. He actually ended up being in, uh, in an Orioles uniform for more games than anybody in, in club history. But uh, just the sweetest man who ever lived. And he, he was a frequent visitor here for the Dapper Dan dinner. Okay. And he was part of the Orioles caravan every year. But, just a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, we're, we're standing there. He comes out, and he was signing every autograph as he was making his way to his car. And so we were just standing there. And, of course, I would had a few pops in me by that point. And uh, I picked a fight. No, I didn't pick a fight. <laughs> so, with the sweetest man in the world. Yeah, right. You <laughs> suck. <laughs> but anyway, he walked by. He just looked at us, said, hello, and uh, – we both said hello, and I said, hey, Elrod, I'm really sorry you ever had to be a Yankee because he, he was – the Orioles had <laughs> traded him as part of a real big deal in, in 76. And the, the Orioles ended up getting Scott McGregor, Rick Dempsey, and uh, Tippy Martinez. But anyway, I said, hey, El, Ellie, I'm really sorry you had to be a Yankee, ever had to be a right. Yankee. And, how did he, and he walked over, and he gave me a hug, and he <laughs> patted me on the back. He said, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? You know, that's the only thing that comes to my mind right, right on top of my right. head. And of course, Bill and I just laughed, and you know, all the way back home, we lived near College Park at the time. But uh, yeah, that was fun, and uh, you know, there there were a lot of trips to the ball game that led to other things for us, like the 
like both times we got kicked out of the aisle bar in Baltimore. But uh, that, that was pretty cool because when the, they threw us out of the uh, bar, the major D called us ill-mannered dogs. Wow. Yeah, man, That's that is harsh. like a highlight of our, you know, <laughs> ill-mannered dogs. We laughed for 25 minutes <laughs> that, that, that he had called us ill-mannered dogs. And uh, so that was a highlight, indirectly. But. I don't think I've ever been in a place with a major D, let alone be kicked out by one. Well, it was. Or called a name by one. Yeah, well, it, we probably deserved to be kicked. Or let's put it this way. He didn't, but I certainly did. And uh, Gee, Can't take you anywhere, man. Uh, no, no. And so the people have learned that. <laughs> so now I'm here with you. <laughs> oh, great. Great. That's all I need. You're the big winner. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's not like I've, I've never been hit by a ball. Uh well, the only ball I ever got, uh, Bill's brother-in-law, Bill Linder, and I were at a ball game and uh, sitting in Memorial Stadium, upper deck, and uh, I was sitting on the aisle seat, and uh, Cal Ripken was up, and he fouled a ball back. We were about three-quarters of the way up uh, the upper deck, right behind home plate, and he, he sent a foul ball straight back. Just missed it because it went straight back. And it, it bounced perfectly uh, halfway down on the steps in the aisle and came up to me, and I caught it. Oh, okay. So, I mean, Off I, the ricochet. Yeah, I still I still have that ball. So, that's the only time I've ever – all the games I've been to, that's the only time I've ever come near a foul ball. You know? I've only come close a couple of times, and, a handful of times. Yeah, and never I mean – Never got one. And we, we always sat in the upper deck behind the plate. So, it, that in itself is kind of rare that I was only close to a one ball once, and I, I think was lucky to catch it, so – you know, that's all I can come up with. How about you? There was – well, it's, it's funny you say about the getting a ball. Uh, we had, for a very short time, uh, a half-season package to the Pirates. Back when they were, you know, right around when they ran that, that run. When you third, would buy a half-season package. Right, yes. when they were 13, 14, 15, until they decided not to do anything after that. And as part of that package, you got to go in early and watch batting practice sure. and whatnot. So we always did that because, you know, my son at that time was – 12, 13-ish, and that was one of his favorite things to do. Yeah. And so, and we would always gather uh, down, you know, along the, the outfield wall. Yeah, and guys would jack him out on batting practice, try to catch him. And I was sitting there, and he had already gone off to the right, the first, the I'm sorry, the third base side to get autographs. So I was just standing there by myself, you know, just kind of hanging out at the wall and watching guys in BP, blah, blah, blah. Wife is sitting back behind me, and I got bored. Because there was nothing coming my way. Right. So, I, you know what? I said, forget this. And I said, let's just let's go and go over to where our son was, getting autographs. Okay. This is no lie. It's no, as soon as I leave that spot on mm-hmm. the wall, no sooner did I turn my back, this teenage kid comes in. It's fine. He slides in where I was standing. Very next batted ball goes right to that spot. That's that right. Right into his glove and he catches it. I was fit to be – I couldn't believe it. Ruined the whole day. Well, it didn't ruin the whole – but it, it pissed me off, I can tell you that. Hell yeah. Because I stood there for 20 minutes, and as soon as I left, he just slides right in. My, my wife, you know, she was like, oh, like you would have caught it anyway. <laughs> you know, zero credit whatsoever. I know I would have caught it because I had, I had my glove and everything. Um, now, look, I'm not usually – you know, I'm not that guy that takes his glove sure to ball are. game. No, I'm not. No, I'm only kidding. But I took it because my son would take his. Kind of a father son thing, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean the way it was hit. I mean it was it was right. I mean the kid is very right at his chest. Mm-hmm. I, I no, I couldn't even miss that. Right. 
But yeah, that was catch uh, it or die, right? What's that? Catch it or die. Catch it or die, pretty much. Yeah, so that was uh, that was very annoying. Uh, one of those weird things, and it, it, it you know, I uh, I lament it to this day. Obviously, I regret it. Uh, Bill and I went to an Orioles game once. We were in high school, and we drove to uh, Baltimore. And you know, we live in Cumberland, so we didn't go to many Orioles games. Yeah, and we went to see his cousin, and uh, who lived in Baltimore. Okay, and, and in fact, he he may have even been within walking distance of the stadium. I can't remember back that far. But uh, anyway, we stopped by his house to see him, and he and his friends were having a party. They were a couple years older, and we were there in college and everything. So th- th- this was the 70s. And, uh, you know, then, of course, if you went to the game, anyone could just go in and watch batting practice. Right. And uh, so anyway, we, we, we stopped by, see Bill's cousin. We had a couple tastes with him. And uh, so we were getting ready to leave, and uh, his cousin says, well, you leaving already? The game doesn't start till." 7.30 or 8, whatever it was then. And, you know, Bill, Bill said, you know, we want to go to the batting practice. And uh, his cousin's friend was standing there, and he's smoking a joint. And when Bill said that, and, I mean, I agreed with Bill, and this guy takes a toke hit from the, the joint, and he goes, oh, you're into batting practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's just something we've always remembered, too, but when you say that about batting practice, and we just said, yeah, yeah, we're into batting practice. Yeah, we, and we felt very small after that. There's nothing wrong with being into batting practice. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, it's, we it's were fun. into it, man. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. It's just fun being at the ballpark. It is. I, mean, that's, I, I miss it, man. We, that's what we were talking about, uh, you know, again, this past weekend when I was hanging out with a bunch, my brother and a bunch of guys. I haven't been to Pittsburgh since opening day 2019. Yeah. yeah. That was it. That was the last time I was at PNC Park. I really, because, of course, obviously last year, nobody right. went to a game. Right. And I haven't quite gotten around to, we'll pro- we're, we're going to try to shoot for September uh, to see a game when tickets will be very readily available in Pittsburgh. Um, I, I miss going, I miss, I miss it a lot. Oh, sure. A it's- whole lot. It's just, you know, and that's what I say. All the stupid things that Rob Manfred has put into place to speed up the ballpark experience. Like, wow, whoever left the ballpark and said, I got home seven minutes earlier than I normally do. (laughs) You know, that's just. Last time I was at the ball game, it was was May 5th, 2019. It was Claire Feeney's 21st birthday. So we went. That's what she wanted to do on her 21st birthday. So we went. The Orioles were playing the Rays. The Orioles, of course, were pretty bad, as they are still, just two years ago. And it was raining. So we went to the center field deck. They have a party deck out there. It's really nice at Camden Yards. And uh, we we were celebrating Claire's birthday. And uh, it it just did not stop raining. Now, the older guys, Claire Claire loves baseball, and she just, you know, wanted to see the game. You know, the more we uh, celebrated her birthday, you know, like my, my buddies Rich and Bill and I, we were, you know, we're old. We've seen a million games. We were like, you know, yeah, with us, if it keeps raining, right, we can right, just right. stay here. <laughs> well, that's what happened. They finally called the game, and, uh, boy, they didn't waste any time getting us out of the ballpark either. You oh, know? really? Oh, no, man, that's pretty impressive. I mean, it was unfortunate for us, but it was very impressive how efficient they were getting you out of there. You know, liability, I guess, but – uh, have a bunch of drunks in Camden. Yeah, it's great. But um, we, we didn't mind at the time. But, you know, that's the last time I've even been to a ballpark, and we didn't even see the game. Oh, so, wow. yeah, it's been a while for me, too. Yeah, it's just 
you know, there's not, nothing beats going to the ballpark. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, it does. it's the best experience in the world to me. I've been, I've been lucky. Uh, all the games I've gone to, I've only actually been to one that's rained, like been rained out. Mm-hmm. That was back in when I was in, in Cleveland. I took my wife to an Indians game, and it, it was they were going to play the Angels, and uh, it got rained out. That's the only game that's ever been that I've actually, you know, literally. They've been postponed before I got to the park. Sure, yeah. But that's the only time I've actually gone to a park and sat there and like, oh, crap, right? we got to go now because, you know, it's game's over. But I, th- I think it. it's only been two for, for, for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just nothing beats it. No. Hopefully we'll get back uh, one day. Hopefully we'll have a, a better team to watch one day. Well, <laughs> where, whatever which way we that's turn. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Time for a break. Got news and uh, weather coming up. Uh, when we come back, Mike and I are going to get into all well, some other stuff. Olympic Games start end of this week. Am I excited about it? Is Mike excited about it? Is anybody excited about it? Talk about that next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Talking about uh, the old Memorial Stadium. Oh, yeah. And I've only, I only saw one game there, and it was a football game. It was the Steelers and the Ravens, back when the Ravens – well, it had to be when the Ravens uh, first got into Baltimore, and they had no place to play before M&T was built. Right. So did they play – how many years did they play Memorial? Uh, About two. Just, was it two? All right, so what year was that? We're trying to figure out the year. 96, 97, I'd say. Yeah, so that was – that when the Ravens came? 96. Something like that. Oh, yeah. 95. Yeah, it, 95, like, 95. Ravens came in 95, so it would have been 95 or 96. So it was about 20 – I was right around 25 years, right? Yep. All right, so there you go. I was like, jeez, 25 years. Were you sitting in the closed den? I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. It was so long ago. But I do still have a uh, a newspaper clipping that my friend Corey uh, cut out and laminated. Mm-hmm. It, it was in the Baltimore Sun, and it right. was a picture of us. Really? Because we were all decked out in our Steeler stuff, face paint, the whole, you know. Sure. Because you have to make an arse out of yourself when you go on the road. Oh, of course. Um. I wouldn't do it today, I can tell you that. I definitely would not do that in today's day and age. Uh, go on the road and dress like we did. But back then, I guess it was a little more uh, safer. <laughs> Except, I don't know. Uh, we didn't catch too much heck for it. Yeah, it's it's funny the things, if you're watching a game on television and you see something and you just silently shake your head <laughs> and don't say anything to anybody because at, at one, one day that – was you right, right, yeah. right? <laughs> I understand. I understand. All right, so we're going to switch gears uh, from baseball and stadiums to the Olympics. Summer games start uh, end of this week, and I think we've not all of us, but a lot of us have kind of fallen into this trap because things have kind of reopened. That the pandemic is over, mm-hmm. but it's not. No. And we're starting to see COVID affect uh, the U.S. athletes, particularly the men's basketball team. Uh, yesterday, Zach Levine was put in health and safety protocol. Tired of hearing that phrase. No. Uh, he Don't could, be, though. Yeah, he couldn't travel with the rest of the team to Tokyo yesterday. Uh, and he's the third player affected in the last week. Uh, Jeremy Grant was in contact tracing. And Bradley Bill, the Wizards, he had to leave the team, yep. which I didn't even know until this morning. I must have missed that over the weekend. Well, you had a busy weekend. Yeah, okay. I was incapacitated. Yes. Or I was out of the loop. Let's put it yes. that way. Uh, this past, so, yeah, so Bill left the team. I had no idea. 
So the U.S. men's team leaves for Japan yesterday with eight players. Uh-oh. Uh, now, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker are supposed to join the team once the NBA Finals are over, which could be as early as tonight. Yesterday, Mike, uh, we had our first positive COVID test in a U.S. athlete that's already over in Japan. Mm-hmm. And with more on that story, as soon as I hit the right button here, Mike. Well, just don't touch mine. I, I will not. Where is it? Here it is. Okay. By the nickel. <laughs> With more on the story, here's ESPN's Michelle Steele. It's the first known coronavirus positive among Team USA athletes after arriving in Japan, and it's a big one, hitting the celebrated U.S. women's gymnastics team. Alternate Kara Aker testing positive and being isolated away from the team until further notice. The Associated Press reports that Aker, who is fully vaccinated, has no symptoms and wants everyone to know she's okay. I know she's disappointed, but uh, at this point, she's just, uh, she says she's kind of bored because she's stuck in her room. She can't practice or anything like that. The biggest disappointment is that you know, this takes her out of it completely. The U.S. women's gymnastics team comprises six athletes, including one of the most decorated gymnasts of all time, Simone Biles, plus four alternates. Fellow alternate Leanne Wong was deemed a close contact to Aker and is quarantining in her room until she tests negative. We're monitoring the situation, wishing a speedy recovery to those who have tested positive. Public health remains a central priority for the Games. The government of Japan and the IOC have very strict protocols, and they are taking careful safety precautions to keep the athletes and the public safe. Tokyo organizers say the number of COVID-19 cases linked to credentialed Olympic personnel has risen to 61 so far. 33 positives among Japanese residents, 28 among various nations' Olympic committees. Neither the International Olympic Committee nor Team USA is requiring athletes to be vaccinated to participate in the Games. It's the most expensive and challenging Olympics on record, and the Japanese public is decidedly against, with almost 7 out of 10 respondents to a recent poll in Japan saying they do not believe the Olympics can be held safely. And a sign of how deeply unpopular the Games are in that country, Toyota, a big sponsor of the Games, says they are going to be pulling all Olympics-related advertising off Japanese airwaves. Now, that total COVID number, uh, she mentioned it was 61. Now it's up to 71. As far as uh, COVID cases and whatnot. Now, there's already going to be no crowds allowed at the games. And now we have the COVID numbers going up. So the question is, and we'll get your thoughts on this in in, uh, a few minutes here, Mike. Okay. Uh, Question is, are you even excited about watching the Summer Olympics? Should they even be going on? I guess that's two questions. Uh, Should they even be going on? Before I get to you, Venerable One. Yes. Let's get to the thoughts of two more old guys uh, sitting around talking sports. Uh, the guys at PTI. Well, Bon, how are you feeling about these games proceeding? I don't want to be the spoiled sport and say the game shouldn't go on because I don't really believe that. I don't believe in the boycotts that have canceled games going back, you know, in 1980 and 84, depending on what side of the politics you were on. Um, I don't want to say cancel the games. But, Tony, I'm looking at it. I love the Olympics. You love the Olympics. I covered 10 yeah. Olympics. I can't wait for them usually. And now I'm just going, how much of this am I going to watch? And it's not even the latest round of, you know, positive tests. It's it's not that. It's that there's so many worldwide distractions and things to depress the spirit around the Olympic. It's as if somebody's going to blow out a birthday candle and just blow out the Olympic flame. 
I just, I'm not where I should be in my anticipation of the Olympics. And I, we haven't talked about this yet. I know how much you love the Olympics. Are you there? I do. Do you have the spirit for these Olympics that you usually have? So I've, I've, I've given this some thought. And as you know, to me, it's a television show. That's what it is. The Olympics are a television show. And I will quote Don Olmeyer one more time and not the last time on this show, that the answer to all your questions is money. The Tokyo Olympic Committee sunk a lot of money into this and they want to recoup it. NBC sunk a lot of money into buying the broadcast rights and they want to recoup it. These games are going to go on whether or not Toyota has any ads inside Japan and they right. show their displeasure for the games. The games are going to go on and all the athletes available are going to do their best because it's probably their one shot at the Olympics. And I don't want to be a hypocrite, Mike, because I am going to watch because I do love the Olympics, with or without crowds. It may be diminished for me not having crowds, but if I focus particularly on track and field, which I just love yeah. to watch, yeah. you know, I, I, think, I think I'm gonna have that spirit. I, it, it's, it's interesting, Mike, I, you and I have a lot of friends from the Washington Post who are either in Tokyo now or on their way. I have friends from NBC either in Tokyo now or on their way, and when I text them, I always say, be safe, stay safe because I worry about the people with the virus there and here. And I yeah. feel for that, but I don't want to lie. I'm going to watch. All right, so Kornheiser is going to watch. Will Bond, he just, he's not feeling it right now right. because everything else is going on. Uh, first of all, in a normal year, do you get excited about the Olympics, summer or, or winter? Is that something that you kind of look forward to and uh... – you know, watch a lot of, or is this kind of not move your needle at all? Well, uh, of course, when I, I was young, yeah, because I mean, it was every four years, and there wasn't that much, there weren't that many sports events on TV like there are now. There's, I mean, there's just something every, every, every yeah, night right, and every right. day, you know, we're spoiled there. But uh, then once the once the Olympics starts, yeah, I, I watch it. I mean, whether whether I'm out or at home, there you know it's just always on. You just turn it on, and you know it's like the radio. It's on. It's on in your house or wherever you are, like the radio. Right. So, yeah, I mean, in that regard, you know, I I don't I don't anticipate them the way that uh, I I once did because of a lot of factors you know, right. outside of the Olympics. But once they start, you know, I enjoy them. But, uh, you know, last night I was thinking that and uh, before I was going to bed. And, of course, when I have to get up early in the morning, I push it to the limits the night before because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I was just getting ready to go to bed, and I was just doing one last channel surf, and I came across Turner Classic Movies. Uh, they were showing Olympic documentaries all day yesterday, oh, all, all wow. night, right? And uh, I watched the last 20 minutes, half hour, whatever it was. It was a documentary about the 76 Olympics in Montreal. Okay. And then I decided I better go to bed before 16 Days of Glory came on because that was <laughs> next, and that was about the 84 L.A. games. Okay. And I just remembered watching that, and I, I, I remembered how much the games have always meant to us. And, you know, I, I'm kind of anxious – to watch it when it starts, even though I, I'm not so sure that we should be doing this. I, I mean, I haven't really ever been. I, it's easy for me to say I have no investments in it, but I agree with both what Will Bond and Kornheiser both said. Uh, 
I feel exactly as both of them do. And Kornheiser is exactly right. The, the the beneficiary here is NBC. Oh, yeah. This is for NBC. The Olympics every year are all about the benefit of NBC and, uh, uh, you know, a few bloated bureaucrats. And uh, it, it's like uh, something that happens every fall, as Kornheiser says. It's a TV show. It's a TV show. show. That's right. And you always like to say, NFL, a TV show, this is going to be Olympics the TV show, and, and that's what it is. And so, if it's on, I, I sure I watch it. I'm not going to, you know. But I do I have that spirit like you did when you were a kid. No, but that's only I think because it, they were just so special then, because there wasn't much going on. Right, right. No, and I agree 100. percent And you mentioned about it used to be every four years. Then he started to stagger it. Right. So now we have at least a, you know the summer or the winter every two years. Right. And that kind of took away a little bit from it. Because there was always, you know, because under the way it used to be, we would have had the summer and winter Olympics this year. Exactly. But now we'll have the summer, and then we'll wait two years for the winter. And again, I think that goes back to, like, the television. Sure. You know, why wait every four when we can have these games on every two? Sell more ads, more, you know, blah, 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 and then you make more money. So that's that's that was the motivation behind that. And we talk about it before. If you ever had a question about anything that happens in sports, just follow the money trail. That's it. And, and you'll get your answer. I don't know if I'm excited about him or not, and I, I think I'm along the same lines as you. I used to be. I used to love watching the oh, Olympics. Oh, am I? Yeah. Used to love. It. I'm, I'm a Winter Olympics guy. Mm-hmm. Moreover, I like watching the Summer Games. They're all right, but I always love the Winter Olympics. And I don't know. There's something just. I don't know. It seemed more special about them. Um, just just watching these events, especially. I'm one of those breakneck speed kind of guys, like mm-hmm. bobsled and luge and whatever that other one is, a skeleton, which whatever I don't even know what that is. You know, one man sled, uh, but there's just something and watching the downhill skiing. Something about being outside, watching the snowfall, sure. and watching these athletes compete that just kind of grabbed me more than the summer games does or do. Yeah, when, when, when I was growing up, I was always a summer guy because you know I used to go to the track meets at the stadium all right. the time, basically because of track. But it didn't matter. I mean, the winter games are just you know, and you learn something about the sport. So I mean, people like me who I'm not, you know, I'm not a big outdoors guy particularly when it's cold or snowing right and uh but you learn i mean uh some of those sports are are still new to me believe it or not even at this age but uh it, it, yeah I, I love them both once they start you know i'm fascinated by the winter games right it, right and i think part of it was uh, before we go to break here um this is what you said like you covered track and field like the, you know those summer game sports were much more free. like how often do we watch Bob sledding as a kid, other than when Olympics came around, right? Or luge, or, or luge, like or, or whatever, or downhill skiing. Not a big thing around here, as far as you know. Thing with the broom, with the curling, right? <laughs> All right, quick break. You come back and wrap up hour number one. Stick around, WCMD. This is the morning rush. Just looking at some scores, like during the break here. Yes, yeah, hell, a lot of run scored last night, in Major League Baseball. And we talked, you know, earlier about the Nationals scoring 18 against Miami. And the Red Sox scored a bunch. Uh, Mets and Reds, they both went in double figures. How would you like to beat the Reds and score 11 runs and lose? Hmm. The Tigers of all teams scored 14. A lot of double figure scoring last night. Yes, uh, that is true. And I don't believe it is a coincidence. You know, for three months, Major League Baseball was obsessed with the cheating pitchers. 
Ah, so you think there's a tie to that? You sure huh? do. You know, now is you know August. You know, is coming. You know, we see as you said, thirteen to three in Buffalo, eighteen to one in Washington, fifteen eleven, with fifteen pitchers used in Cincinnati. Eesh. So you know, that's a hint of what that hot, wasn't a short game with, with the, the hottest <laughs> month coming up in August. You know, that ball's going to be flying, and yeah, they're interesting. Certainly, certainly, there was something to that to the spin, and uh, there is. That's why pitchers were doing it, and you know, and it, it was just this time a month ago. Uh, you know, I, I'm saying to anybody who will listen, you know, these games are unwatchable. Right. You know, but I, I, I that's more to the hitting approach, uh, I think. You know, home run, strike out, or walk. And, you know, one of four things can happen. And they didn't put the ball in play. However, now we're going to go to the opposite extreme. And, you know, too, too much is too much, I think. And, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was not at any of those ball games last night. I can only imagine. Well, plus, not only did the Mets and Reds, what'd you say, 15 combined pitchers, it also went 11 innings. So that game probably oh, lasted God. a good five oh, no. hours, close to five hours. Oh, no question. But I mean, if you're a fan of offense, though, I mean, the game was, the final was 15 to 11. Well, if you're, if you're a kid and well, you're, you're at the game, you're happier <laughs> than hell, you know, because you're not old enough to drink beer. And That's they, right. They've been cut off at That's the right. seventh inning. <laughs> So, well, even even uh, the Cardinals scored eight. That's, that's a pretty high number well, by baseball standards. Last night, the Orioles, I think, what they went six one. Six, yeah. And uh, you know that was a nice, crisp ball game. You know, I was able to watch the whole thing comfortably. And if I had gone to bed after that game was <laughs> over, I'd felt a little better this morning. But <laughs> but it was a nice, crisp. You'll ball. learn, Mike. You'll learn. No, I, Maybe yes. I haven't. Yeah. It was a nice, crisp baseball game to the uh, common man. But for the Orioles, six was an explosion, you know. So that that was their way of contributing to last night's uh, 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 embarrassment of riches when it came to uh, scoring runs. First time we beat the Rays this year, too. How about that? Yeah, Rays are really solid team, you know. So they they won't beat them tonight, but we'll or today they play today at noon. Oh, afternoon! I didn't know that. I yeah, didn't realize yeah, it's an afternoon tilt. In fact, uh, it's the it will not be on uh, Masson. It's only on it's exclusively on YouTube. That's right. It's the uh, it's the free game of the week or something like that. Major, and uh, it Mamo will be, be the first all female broadcast crew in the history of uh, Major League Baseball. Did not know that. Yeah, two studio hosts, uh, the sideline people, and uh, the analysts in the booth, and the play by play. Person is Melanie Newman, who works for is is now an Orioles broadcaster. Okay, in her well, second in her second season, and I'll tell you what, she she does some TV for Mass, and you know she does the, like the, the so called sideline reporter. Right, right. But I have heard her a couple different times call ball game on, on the uh, radio. She's very good. She's very good. Very comfortable. Listen, like if you're driving somewhere and you hear Melanie Newman yeah. uh, calling a baseball game. Enjoy it. She's very good. All right, very well. Something to look forward to then. All right, but just don't look forward to it on Madison because it won't be there. No, it will be on YouTube. There you go, YouTube. That's the uh, MLB's. I guess they do it. What a free game of the week! I saw it earlier too, and I just kind of glossed over. That's to get kids interested in baseball. There you go. There you go. All right. Hour number one in the books coming up. What else? Uh, Hour number two because that's how numbers work. We back talking. I knew you'd get it. (laughs) We back with the more. Stick around. WCMD.
is the morning rush. Uh, Mike and I are live uh, from the palatial WCMB studio. High atop Industrial Boulevard, where else? But on the south side of the Queen City. That's right. Baby. Uh, reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. You are encouraged and welcome to do so. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush. My page at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. My last name is not actually a C. Uh, Mike's Twitter page at Mike Burke MDT. And my oh. my last name actually is MDT. It actually <laughs> it's just a bunch of letters. It's like Prince. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the Book of Faces. Uh, check us out there at WCMD Cumberland Radio. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, shamon, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day. I know that because I, I tell it to you every day, minus commercials. So if you missed any part of any show, go back, check it out at your convenience. As Mike enjoys that coffee. Except that it's water. As he enjoyed that water. I need coffee. You have, wa- you have water in a coffee cup. Who can help? Help me. Yes, but okay. I, that's not drinkable water. I got- <laughs> uh, we got to start brewing pots. Is that what we're going to have to start doing Like in, in the kitchen? No. Like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? No. The communal uh, coffee uh, I, cup or I, pot? I'm just going to have to start bringing more. That's fair enough. Well, you see what I carry on this big... 72-ounce yeah, mortar shell of yeah, a, a, uh, a tumbler, as they call it, but which see, I never understood that. I knock over tall things, as I told you last it's week. It's true. So it's true. You know, I, I'm going to have to make some sort of adjustment. Though. Maybe we can get you a series of smaller tumblers that can just kind of <laughs> yeah. stay lower stay lower to the desk. That roll. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not tumblers. They're rollers. Anyway, if they rolled, you couldn't have them in the studio or else people would flip out. The engineers would have our highs. Yes. So, yeah, we didn't need it to be doing No, that. we don't. We don't. We need to keep the engineers uh, happy. Yes, Very we happy. Do. Uh, so, anyway, check out the podcast page on the uh, free Podbean app. Uh, just download it to your phone or tablet. If Mike can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Uh, yep. Anybody can do it. Let's just put it that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, for instance, to give you an example, if you missed any of the first hour, you missed Mike and I talking about uh, ballparks, uh, weird occurrences or weird things we experienced at the ballparks. We just talked Summer Olympics. You know, are you excited about the games? Should the games be even going on? So all that stuff, again, uh, if you missed it the first hour, check it out on the uh, podcast. But, yes. And I erred in the first hour. Oh, that is correct. Yes, go right ahead. We talked about uh, the Orioles, which we'll get to here in a second, uh, when we rock around the region, the O's taking on the Rays. And we said the O's play at noon today. It's I actually, said it, yes. You are, well, I, I, I'm taking the fall to guys. Well, thank you, buddy. I say we, so, you know, it's a team it's effort. great being in this foxhole with you. <laughs> the game's actually 7-10. Yes, the game is 7-10. However, it will still not be on mass. And right. It will only be on YouTube. Right. It is still, MLB does this free YouTube thing every week, the game of the week. And so you can watch the game for free on YouTube. But not noon, but it's 7-10. And as you mentioned last hour, it's an all like the first ever all female like announcing crew yes. in studio at the game. So mm-hmm. you can watch the game on YouTube and uh, watch a little history That's right. as well. How about that? 
All right, uh, let's kick off this hour as we kick off every single hour uh, with a rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we'll stay with Major League Baseball where the Nationals and Juan Soto absolutely went off on the Marlins last night in D.C. The 0-1. Soto hits it to deep left center field. This one going, going, and it is gone! Juan Soto with a three-run homer. And the Nationals now lead it 18-0. The call on the Nationals radio network. Now, I am ashamed to admit this. I don't know who that guy is. Usually, it's either Charlie Slows or Dave Jagler. I'm not sure who that gentleman is. I don't recognize the voice at all. I don't either. I'll have to look it up. Either way, it's on the Nationals radio network. Uh, two home runs and five RBI for Soto as the Nats crushed the fish 18-1. to Things were so bad for Miami pitching that Washington's pitcher, John Lester, even got in on the home run derby. Lester swings and drives one to deep center field. This is way back. This ball is going, going, and long gone. Goodbye. Way over the center field wall. Lester's fourth career home run. It was a two-run shot. Uh, He also pitched seven scoreless innings, his longest outing of the season. Uh, to pick up the relatively easy win. He's a first starting pitcher to go seven scoreless and homer in the same game since Phil Necro uh, did it 43 years ago in a complete game in 1982. Uh, Trey Turner, oh, by the way, a homer tripled and drove in four runs uh, for the Nats. Now, we talked about this. uh, We didn't really touch on it. And since we talked about the Nats, we'll stay here. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your thoughts? And I, I talked about it yesterday. Of course, you weren't here yesterday. Yeah. About what went down Saturday outside Nationals Park. Mm. Now, look, I, as we've already established, was pretty much off the grid this past weekend. And but because we carry Nationals games, I get notifications from the Nats. Sure. And I saw the notification pop up that said tonight's Nationals. It's a Saturday. Mm. Tonight's Nationals game has been postponed after five and a half innings, and I stopped reading because I just assumed it was a rain delay. Right. And never thought twice about it until the next day, and you find out that shots were fired outside of the stadium. I mean, what were were your thoughts when you you heard that? I mean, that's just something you don't expect. Maybe today's day and age you should. Yeah. But something you don't expect when you go to a ballpark to, to be worried about something like that. Well, I mean, it was a drive-by. I, I, I don't know if they were, if anybody was being specifically targeted. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's just it's, it's where we are, and it, it's the times that we find ourselves in. And you know, people don't want to hear any preaching, but you know, particularly when you know you're talking about a place, Nats Park, that you know, has all those people there. And plus, you know, there's some uh, important people in the ballpark because, you know, the government and, you know, Congress and whoever it may be, you know, they pretty much have free passes to any Nats games they want. And believe me, they're used. And, you know, I mean, what's it going to take to open people's eyes that, you know, that this is uh, an issue? And, uh, you know... Look, it's like I tell people in this day and age, you best not have road rage 
I mean, no, absolutely e- e- even not. if it's just somebody who's asleep at the wheel at, at an intersection, you know, I, I, I don't, I never really did anyway, but you know, hit the horn, right. just better be careful right? because you didn't know who's going to no come out of that car and whatever in his hand and his or her hand. And, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's where we are and, you know, you, you have to be, uh, we, sh- we shouldn't be numb to it, but we, we certainly are. Right. And I even, I didn't read the whole story, but there was an eight-year-old who was interviewed. He was at the National. Yeah, I saw that. You saw that. Uh-huh. And I, the, the gist of the story was, he said that he felt prepared to deal with what happened because he had been through it once before. Like, this was his, at an eight-year-old. Right. That he prepares himself because he actually has experienced shootings before, mm-hmm. and he kind of knew what to do. And an eight-year-old think about it, an eight-year-old kid. Well, I mean, who that, I don't want to say is accustomed to, but you, you get my point. Yeah, he 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 knows what to do. Well, that 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 you know makes him smarter than me. I, I've had guns pulled on me three times. I I, was, I used to be in the restaurant business in the D.C. area. Mm, okay, and I was uh, robbed twice, and. Um, uh, in another incident, not related to the restaurant business, m- more stupidity. Uh, there was another gun in the uh, pool, and uh, I, you know, I, I, if if it happened again five minutes from now, it'd be my fourth, and I st- I still wouldn't know how still to react. Know. Just you know, just do do as the guy says if you don't want to get shot because you don't know. But uh, it. it you know, it's sad that he's eight years old and he feels like, all right, I, I know how to react to this. Right, right. Well, the only way I would know how to react was to stay quiet and just hope for it to end. Yeah, yeah. And you actually had people on Saturday, really, because when, when the shots were first heard, you had no idea uh-huh. if it was inside the stadium or out. And you had people actually running out of National Park I know. towards where the shooting was. I know. And that just goes to show you, I mean, it's, I, don't, I really don't care how much you prepare for it. I don't know if you can be fully prepared I don't know how you can. for something like that. Because you have no idea at that particular moment in time where it's coming from, you know, uh, why it's happening, where it's happening. So just, again, something that you don't, like you go to the ballpark to get away from that kind of crap. Yeah. And, you know? and in today's day and age, you know, I talked about the open air ballparks. There's really very little separation between the street and the park, right. except for a gate. You know, you walk out of the gate and you're literally right there on the street. Right. Mo- most ballparks, anyway. Yeah, because they they going back to building them in the city. Right. Right. I right. mean, in the downtowns and whatnot. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's just a frightening time and and thing that we we are have now, and it, it's just us because that's we've in, indirectly chosen to allow it to become us. Right. Yeah, right. And we were, we were actually talking about ballparks earlier and how I saw that Steelers game against the Ravens at Memorial uh-huh. uh, Stadium. That was my first experience of a park or a stadium in a neighborhood. Yeah. I had never seen one of those. Of course, my, all my games were at three of our stadiums. Sure. And I was just kind of blown away that there was a stadium just sitting right in the middle of just – In a residential area. In a residential area. area. Yeah, Waverly. And it was such a wonderful, uh, wonderful, uh, splendid – neighborhood and uh 
there's no place like going to, to that uh, stadium and and you know the, the people like you'd walk up 33rd and people be out on their front porches and the front yards you know maybe giving you fans lemonade on hot days i mean kids were parking cars in the backyards <laughs> right. you know cuz right. uh, the, the the parking wasn't the greatest at memorial stadium it was quite an experience and not, now of course you know there 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 aren't many ballparks like that cuz you know the trend in the uh, 90s early 90s was to start building them in downtown business districts which you know i think worked out pretty well right right i didn't see another i didn't get that experience again until i saw a steelers game in buffalo uh, oh yeah. Okay. Which is again another stadium that's just seemingly dropped in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Buffalo. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just. I'd like to see a Bills game. It, it's an experience, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend going early in the season when it's not twenty-five below zero, because uh, it is free. Well, yeah, it, I, is, I, 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 it was absolutely free, and the game went to overtime too. It didn't help. It, yeah, that wouldn't agree. No, but it, it was fun. The tailgating was fun. It's not as, and I'm going back probably at least ten years. Before the Bills Mafia became a thing, uh-huh. when they're jumping through tables and acting like morons. Right. So I don't know what a tailgate experience is like now at Buffalo, but back, back then it was pretty cool. Yeah. Everybody was friendly, everybody was nice. You know, I had my Steelers gear on, and everybody got along well. Yeah. And the, the stadium is uh, a piece of crap itself. Yeah. It's not. It's not very. Uh, it actually kind of had an old Three River Stadium feel to it. Very, yeah. you know, very cold, which had nothing to do with the weather. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Uh, very just con- it's just concrete bowl. It just it no, didn't you know that that was the trend. Then. That was a trend back in the day. Right, right, yeah. right. And now uh, I guess I'm seeing the story that you talk about building parks in you know downtown areas. The A's are in trouble. Huh. They have been for decades. well, they have been for decades. But now it, it seems like unless they, I guess they're going to put a vote on. Was it today? I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the exact date here. Uh, Oakland City Council will cast votes this morning Uh-oh. on a proposed $12 billion, would it be, yeah. a $12 billion development and ballpark plan right along the waterfront. If it doesn't pass, it looks like uh, the A's may be moving. Yeah, well. And Vegas seems like the likely landing spot. Oh, that makes me sick. <laughs> you don't like teams in Vegas? Or just the A's moving from Oakland? Well, I, I I I would hate to see the A's move from Oakland. Of course, they came there from Kansas City right. in 1968, and um, I, I you know particularly the Giants, you know, aren't really. Yeah, well, I mean that's not true, but I, I yeah I, I I wouldn't like to see it. And you know I, the the A's if, if you've ever I've been to that stadium in Oakland and. It, that's a that's a hole. It, 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 it is. <laughs> it really and, is. And it, it was an experience. I'm glad we, we we took advantage of when we were in San Francisco. Right. And uh, and boy, that what a culture shock. I mean, it was so cold in San Francisco, and we went across the bay on the BART. And mm. It was hot, hotter right. than hell over in Oakland. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, they they just need a new place to to play, and I'd hate to see him leave Oakland. But um, you know, Las Vegas. I, I I'm just I don't know. I just there's just something about that that uh, you still have the connection with, even though gambling is pretty much widespread now. Yeah, I mean know. that's another topic for another time. You're right. I, it shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. I have nothing against Las Vegas, right? Uh, but uh, I don't know. It just it just seems like it just. I think of the Back to the Future movies, and I think of Biff for some reason <laughs> with all these teams going to Las Vegas. You know. 
So that, that's how my twisted mind works. It would be a shame because, look, Oakland is like, – the Warriors, they didn't move far. I know. But the Warriors moved. That's the, what I started yeah, to say. The, yeah. the Raiders moved. And now the A's. I mean, can you imagine losing three professional franchises I know, I know. within a Just very short they, period? they won't work with the teams. Right. I mean, that, that to me, that's amazing. And that's a lot of revenue that comes down in, into any area. When you talk about fans descending upon the stadiums or the arenas and the you know the, the shops and the restaurants and the parking and everything that comes with it, that's a lot of money going that you're basically just you're pushing out of the city. Well, it was a Sunday afternoon when we were in San Francisco and we had gone to the Giants game Friday night and it was just oh so cold. <laughs> I've never been so cold in my life at a baseball game, but. Anyway, we asked the guy, whoever the guy is, pretty much runs the, the hotel, you know. Right. Uh, you know, how do we go about this? And he said, well, where are you going? We're going to an ace game. And he said, why? <laughs> because, you know, we, we just want to experience it, this, that, and the other. So he told us. He told us how to get there. Why? He said, he said but I, I, I'm just telling you. He said, as soon as the game is over, get immediately back on the train mm. because it is don't, not good. Don't linger. And uh, so we got off the train, and we immediately saw what he was talking about. I mean, it looked like a place the Oakland Raiders from the day would play in. And, of course, they did. uh, Barbed wire fencing up from the BART, the train, to to the entrance to the ballpark. Wow. And and, uh, it's like it was in an industrial park. There's absolutely nothing around the Coliseum. And it's like you're just in a big, empty industrial park. It's like some out of the longest yard. And, uh, yeah, a prison. <laughs> and, and well, They call it the black hole for a reason. And so, you know, we got in. It's like, man, this. It, it, actually, we it had a very pleasant experience there. And, and, the, and the, the staff was wonderful and uh, very accommodating. And, uh, you know, I, we enjoyed it. And you're so far away from the field. And, uh and we, we have good seats, like, right behind uh, the first base dugout. Uh, they played the Pirates that day. Okay. and But you're still so far away from the field. It's like you're looking through the binoculars from the wrong end. <laughs> but uh, we, we were all happy we experienced it. I mean, we had a great time. And But he was right. Dude, if you ever go to a game there, don't waste any time getting out of there. Getting out of there. They've been playing there since 1968. Yep. Now, to me, that, that blows my mind. It seems like every – like, what's the next oldest park? It seems like everybody has a new park now. Well, how, how are they still playing the place built in 68? You have Wrigley but and Fenway, of course. But, but uh, they've renovated those stadiums, But they've right? been renovated m- many times over since anything's been done in that. Like I said, uh, when we were there, it was very clean and inside, and it was a, a great experience hospitality-wise. But, see, that, that, that the way that's – stadium was built the football field goes from third base to first <laughs> right, base right which uh, most most of them like memorial stadium the three rivers mm-hmm. one, the football field went from home plate to center right, field right 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 all right so hence you you have a lot of space between the field and the ball and the stands at, at the coliseum because right. it's just round and you have a baseball field and a football field a square and a diamond in the middle of this vast roundness, <laughs> and it, it's it's pretty weird. I still remember watching when you can watch the old you watch a football game and still see the baseball markings, or a baseball uh-huh. game and still see sure. the football markings on the field. 
Yeah, you, you don't, you obviously, you, you don't see it anymore. You should not even think twice about well, it. Well, no, because that's a, because a lot of stadiums were, were dual-purpose stadiums. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you don't see that very often. They, you know, like we, for instance, in Pittsburgh, Pirates have their own park, Steelers have their own park, mm-hmm. and that's you know, it is what it is. So it's very rare these days to find a stadium that actually houses two two teams at the same time. Well, that, I think that's the well. It, uh, there are aren't they, any are they now. the last one? I was thinking, are they the last? That, that was the last. Well, one. when it, before the Raiders moved that yeah. one, yeah. Now you see it in basketball, like Lakers and Clips share the same, but I, I think that's a little bit different. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a unique experience, right, and, right. and of course you have you know hockey and basketball. Right. Well, yeah. Right. 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 But yeah, the the, the baseball and football thing. I'm trying to think uh, who think, else. I don't think there are any left. No. Well, um, well, the Giants and Jets don't they still uh, share a? Uh, Oh, 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 I thought you meant just two different sports. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm thinking, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. Giants you're right. and Jets yeah. that's share the same, the same That's the same sport. Stadium. Yeah, yeah, same sport. Mm-hmm. That didn't count. And that's New York, so that, right. that that's you know, New York <laughs> or Jersey. This <laughs> is just, just New York. That's all it is. Uh, I'm trying to think here uh, real quick before we move on. Uh, they're looking for a 35, the A's, looking for a 35-seat waterfront ballpark. 35,000. What I say? 35. That would be a very small ballpark. They still wouldn't sell it. They still, <laughs> but um, bum. Yeah, they still... <laughs> so much for the gate revenue at a thirty-five seat stadium. You're right, thirty-five. Thank you for correcting me there. Quite a raucous group here. Today. <laughs> thirty-five thousand seat. And then, and then it's not just a ballpark. They're looking at like shops and restaurants yeah, and sure. uh, like a giant, like I guess mall or something, uh, to go around everything and really build up the waterfront. I'm telling you right now. Uh, not that I've ever been to the uh, waterfront there in Oakland, but I see what they did in Pittsburgh on the oh, North Shore, yeah, yeah. and how once they and believe me, it was a very emotional day when they tore down uh, Three River Stadium, right? But it was ne- it was it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And then when PNC went up and Heinz Field, and you still had everything else around there, you still had uh, the Sports Works and the Conservatory, and then the uh, casino went up. Mm-hmm. North Shore just exploded. Um. And I guess they're hoping Oakland happens the same way, or the same thing. And it could it could work. It happened in Baltimore, it right? Happened in right. Cleveland, and you know that's that, that, that it, it will happen in Oakland if they do it. But it's just that's the thing. If a matter yeah. if, if they want to spend the money, and or I I I don't know who knows how people think, but. Uh, you know, we we do this for a living so that we know how we think. Right. You know, and what what's <laughs> right, what's right. the thing to do? So it, it's impossible to say. But I, I'm not too hopeful. It doesn't, doesn't it doesn't no, it doesn't sound good. The, the A's have never ever gotten any cooperation, and uh, of course, a, a lot of it was brought on in the beginning from Charles O. Finley. But uh, I, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, we'll see again. That vote is uh, sometime this morning. Their time, so they're all still in bed. They're not, they're not worried about it as much as we are right now. Not not right now. Not right now. All right. Uh, let's. Get, <laughs> uh, we were going through the scores, but um, real quickly, let's see the O's. Your O's uh, beat Tampa last night. What was it? Six to one. Yes. Six to one. Uh, the O's first win over the Rays this season. <laughs> uh, Pat Valeka two run double as part of a four run sixth inning. Our O's tie a season high with their third string. I don't mean yeah. to laugh. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I'm a Pirates fan. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have that right. Because Lord knows what they're winning. Pirates may have won four in a row this year. Uh, but that was their third straight uh, victory, which ties the season high. Then at uh, third time this year, they have a three game winning streak. Yep. Uh, rookie Spencer Watkins was the man again. 
One run, six innings, struck out seven and walked two. He lowered his ERA to 1.65. Yeah. Very, very impressive. impressive. Uh, Austin Hayes had three hits and drove in a run for Baltimore. Speaking of these sorry Pirates, they lost to these sorry Diamondbacks of 4-2. to two. Well, then how come they're not yours? Speaking of my sorry Pirates. You sorry, hey, okay. See? You're right. You're right. Thank you for calling me out, Mike, on my own show. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm sitting here minding my own business. Your no. Orioles. Well, they are your Orioles. Three in a row for the first time. They are your Orioles because you are the Orioles. You're the resident Orioles fan. That's why I say yes, that. Yes, I am. Yes, and I am the resident Pirates fan. And sure. both of our teams are sorry. Yeah. Uh, Arizona had three home runs in the game, including a two-run shot by Eduardo Escobar. Caleb Smith, six and two-thirds, solid innings for Arizona. Uh, two runs, six hits, seven strikeouts. Key Brian Hayes. And Brian Reynolds, RBI singles for the Bucks Before the game, the Pirates acquired left-handed pitcher Dylan Peters from the Angels for the ever-popular cash considerations. Uh, to make room on the roster, the Pirates DFA'd reliever Kyle Crick. And one quick NFL note, the Steelers signed edge rusher Melvin Ingram. I got it right this time. Yesterday, NFL Network reports is for a one-year deal. The 32-year-old Ingram spent the first nine seasons of his career with the Chargers where he recorded 49 sacks and was a three-time Pro Bowler. So there you go. The 49 sacks, by the way, fourth most in Chargers history. Just want to throw it out there. How about that? Yeah, last season he had no uh, sacks because he played in just seven games because of a nagging knee issue. And the Steelers hope he can get back to uh, 100% and help uh, fill the void left by Bud Dupree. Bud. Who left. Where'd, where'd Bud go? Bud went to a Tennessee. He's a Titan now. Okay. Still not ready to go. Still nursing that knee back, the ACL back. Yeah. So may not be ready in time for camp. So there you go. All right. Uh, time for a break. News and weather coming up. And then uh, the venerable one and myself back here in just a bit. Stick around. Rush rolls on. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. All right, so let's move on to uh, some college football here. Okay. And it seems like uh, Power Five commissioners uh, are sending a clear message to uh, teams for the upcoming season. Uh, stay healthy or you forfeit games. Now, uh, SEC Media Days, the media scrum mm. kicked off yesterday. And SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said only six of the SEC's 14 teams have reached the 80% mark for vaccination. Of course. Uh, Sankey said uh, that number needs to grow and grow fast. And uh, I guess for a program to avoid regular COVID testing and mask requirements indoors, they have to be at 85% vaccination threshold. Okay. And only four teams, or I'm sorry, six teams have only reached 80. So none of the teams in the SEC have reached that threshold yet. And Sankey said, and we'll play a little clip here, that the message to the teams is simple. You are expected to play your games uh, as scheduled. You hope not to have disruption, but hope is not a plan, is the great cliche. We still have roster minimums that exist, just like last year. What I've identified for consideration among our membership 
is we remove those roster minimums and you're expected to play as scheduled, that means your team needs to be healthy to compete. And if not, that game won't be rescheduled. And thus, to dispose of the game, the forfeit word comes up at this point. That's not a policy, and what you see are the bookends now for decision-making. We've not built in the kind of time we did last year, particularly at the end of the season, to accommodate disruption. And unless we're going to do that, our teams are going to have to be fully prepared to play their season as scheduled. All right. So we all know last year was an absolute mess. Games were postponed, rescheduled, moved around. Some not played at all. Uh, some teams played six games. So it, was, it, was an absolute, it was an absolute mess. And what he's saying, and the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, said something very similar not too long ago, is that you're going to play. Like They're not postponing games this year. They're not moving games around. You got to get the feeling, like I do, that these Power 5 commissioners are kind of using some strong-arm tactics to get athletes and coaches vaccinated and and be prepared to play, or am I just imagining that? Yes, that, that is exactly what they're doing, and I don't think he was making too many bones about it. My question there is, if both, if neither team is at 85% or neither team is healthy, who gets the forfeit? You know, Wow, that's good. I mean, if there's only six <laughs> that are at 80 right, right, and they right, want right. them at 85, well, that's not too promising. So the game would just be stricken from the record, and both will take. Well, I mean, who, both take a loss. But, but again, it, this goes right back to television. That's where the strong arms coming from, right? Right. Because, because look, these these conferences they took a hit last oh, year. Big time. I right. mean, uh, as big a hit as the networks can right. take. You know, they did. So that's again, as you say, follow the money. Follow the money, and yet the conferences took a hit. Uh, the networks took a hit. And they're trying to get back as much money as they possibly can this yep. year. And that's why they're saying, you're going to play. And the only way you're going to play is if everybody gets vac- not everybody, or 85%, gets vaccinated. Now, the question is, if you have – now, the 85% is just so they can avoid – well, I guess it kind of runs hand-in-hand hand because if you avoid the daily testing, then it stands to reason the numbers of positive cases will go down if you're not getting tested every day. So you reach an 85% threshold, there's no daily testing, there's no mask requirements indoors, and then you go from there. But it, it really seems like, first of all, I don't think they want to deal with it again, and I don't blame them. I don't. Putting the extra time in, the extra weeks in, the off weeks, the makeup weeks. You know, there's a situation, you look at the, the West Virginia-Oklahoma game last year, it got postponed twice, and then it was never played at all. Mm-hmm. So it got moved twice, and then it, it, was, it never happened. And, again, I don't blame them. They don't want to go through that crap again. And nobody does. So they're kind of drawing the line in the sand and saying, look, if you don't if you don't meet the requirements or whatever, you're just going to lose the game. Uh-huh. Which, again, that, that's kind of their way of saying in a not-so-subtle way, get vaccinated, yep. get healthy. And I think that puts a little more pressure on the coaches. Because I don't think as a coach, you really can't tell a player. You can't order a player to get vaccinated. So I think a lot of pressure falls <laughs> on the coaches to make it happen, does it not? Well, I mean, sure. But uh, I, I I just wonder, I mean, you know, when you're a scholarship player, 
I can't. I don't see why the coach or somebody at the school couldn't tell him. Or do you want to lose your scholarship? I mean, that's that's a privilege. Oh, you're asking for a lawsuit, though, if that happens. Well, I, I, you know, but it's pull, a, if you but, pull but a scholarship's scholarship. a privilege. I mean, it, well, especially especially in the day of of player empowerment. Oh, I understand. If, yeah, if you pull a player scholarship for not getting vaccinated, you guys, you're asking for a world of trouble. I wouldn't want to go through that. I under, I would understand the point behind it because you want your your players to get vaccinated and be healthy and play, but I don't know if I can sit there and force a kid to do it. I, I just don't understand why anybody wouldn't get vaccinated, particularly since they're so readily available. And you know, uh, the SEC and the Big Twelve and the Big Ten, you know, they they, they could do it all at once. You know, I mean. I just don't understand yeah, that, neither, but neither I mean, I. there's no yeah. sense in getting into that because, right. you know, to each his own or teach her own. Well, I, I but, agree to each his own, but when it affects others, you know, I, I just think you, you have a responsibility to do the right thing, right, right, and and not worry about what your 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 political allies are going to believe or think. Right, right, and then there's also the argument that. When we're talking about college football players, we're talking about young guys, yep. eighteen to twenty-two, in in tremendous shape, tremendous health. Yeah. So why get vaccinated? Well, they're invincible. I mean, you're invincible when yeah. you're young. But the numbers also show out that even if they mm-hmm. get it, they're not going to, you know, be adversely affected anyway. But I guess that's not the whole point behind this. The whole point is just get vaccinated, play it safe. And go from there. All right. Uh, All right. Time for one last break, and then we will go from there. We'll wrap things up. So stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here real quickly, let's look at the player who delivered last night, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the Nationals' Juan Soto? Soto homer twice, drove in five runs as the Nats pounded the Marlins 18-1 in D.C. A Trey Turner, Josh Bell, uh, Trace Barrera, and the pitcher, John Lester, also homered as the Nats racked up 18 hits off Miami pitchers. Barrera, by the way, that was his first career uh, home run. Uh, So I I guess all the Nats delivered last night, not just uh, Soto. So we'll go with all the Nats. Yeah, they're they're, they're, I think they're poised to make the run. You think? Yeah. They're getting themselves in position? I, I, it's I possible. It's possible. Deep organization. They're built for 162. Uh, yep. I think you're going to see it. I think a lot is going to depend on uh, Strasburg's health yep. and yep. see if he can get That's back true. into the rotation uh, and kind of help anchor that down along with uh, Scherzer. And Corbin has been very inconsistent as well this year, too. But, hey, trade deadline is what? Like a week away, I give think. or take? So there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. I think the Nats are going to be buyers. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, especially help out uh, their rotation. So we'll see what happens. All right, and that was the a Player or Players Who Delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. File 13 right here. File 13. Boom, there you go. All right, real quickly, Mike, I uh, know neither of us are really a big NBA guys, but we'll talk about it anyway. Okay. Uh, game six tonight, Bucks, Suns in Milwaukee. Bucks have a chance to win and clinch the first title since 1971. Phoenix trying to stay alive and force a decisive Game 7 
uh, back in Phoenix on Thursday. Bucks were trailing this series 0-2. Now they won the last three. Mm-hmm. Who you got? Now, you know, in, in the previous three series, the Bucks clinched all three series on the road, which is very rare. Mm-hmm. Now they have a chance to actually clinch at home and uh, clinch a title. You think the Bucks get it done tonight or do the desperate Suns force the game seven? I, I have no clue. <laughs> I have not seen Neither do I. I mean, I like the NBA for the circumstances. I just haven't watched it. And, of course, now I'm not going to stay up tonight and watch it. But uh, I heard Jalen Rose talking yesterday on his show, Jalen and Jacoby, which I, I avoid those shows during the day. They're just not my cup of tea. Sure, but this, sure. this is actually a pretty good show. I, I mean, it didn't. I, I enjoy listening to what he had to say. He says the key is for Phoenix to stop the points in the paint. Very they have good. to there defend go. the, the colored part of the floor. Is what there Jalen you go. said. Stop so, the. Uh, that is uh, the venerable one's uh, hard hitting, in depth <laughs> NBA analysis, which yes. came from somebody else. Yeah, uh-huh. which is <laughs> which is about more than I could offer right now. Uh, but I'll tell you what, though, uh, Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer. That's that's a crazy situation because. Early in the postseason, like he was going to get fired mm-hmm. because it looked like the Bucks were primed for another just early round flame out. Right. So they're talking about this guy coaching for his his career, and now he's now he's one win away from winning a championship and basically fortifying his career for years to come. Milwaukee. Well, he better win it. Well, you have to win it, right? Yeah, I mean, right, right. what what happens if he loses two now? Oh, we're then we're back, right to, back to, then square we're back one. to square back one. Back to square one. Uh, the Budenholzer. Uh, he says that uh, a fundamentals, Mike, always goes back to fundamentals. Yes, of course. That they're a key uh, for a Milwaukee victory tonight. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all the competitive, you know, situations, the boards, the, you know, getting back in transition, communicating, uh, you know, getting to 50-50 balls, screening. You know, it's, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, people, it's blocking and tackling in football and, Whatever that version of basketball is, you know, we, we got to do all the fundamental things, and you got to compete at a high level. It's the little things, Mike. It's the fundamentals. Uh, it's the stuff that we drill in every single day. That's right. I mean, I I walk around all day saying that to myself. <laughs> Honestly, the Suns got to play some defense. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Sun Devin Booker has had back-to-back forty-point games, right. and they lost both games. They got to play defense, and if they don't. I mean, obviously, you have to play defense to some extent, anyway. Right. But and part of it, as you already mentioned, it is is stopping the Bucks in the paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Bucks were on fire uh, last game; they couldn't miss early on. I kind of put the Suns in a deep hole. Um, I think I, I think the Suns win tonight. Just a hunch. It's just a hunch. Uh, you know, when you back, you got a team back into a corner, fighting for their yeah, you know, fighting for their their. I know it's in Milwaukee. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough. I, I would feel a lot more comfortable if the game was in Phoenix. Obviously. Mm-hmm. But I just I have a feeling that Chris Paul and Booker they're gonna they're gonna get the job they're gonna force a game seven. Okay, I have I have a feeling, and we'll talk about this game obviously uh, more tomorrow. And again, I don't understand game seven is Thursday. Right. Like I don't get this. There were two games or two days between most games in this series, mm-hmm. which I hate anyway. I hate the two day two day layoff. They're gonna play tonight. If they play the game seven, it'll be Thursday. Okay. And that and that includes a travel day. I don't understand why they do that. Wouldn't stand a reason if you're going to have a decisive game seven. That's when you want two days break in between. You understand why they're doing it? It's all about the Tele- money. Television. It's all about television. They want that game on Thursday. Television. Yeah. One on a Friday when nobody has to go to bed or anything like that. 
people go out. Oh, that's, people go out these days? They still go out? I've heard. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're going out. We're done. At least for today, anyway. Yes. Good to see you, as always. Good to see you, Tony C. Back in the saddle. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. See you in the morning. Bright and early. Sugar in the morning, sugar evening, sugar <laughs> supper time. Enjoy the rest of your day. See you back here tomorrow at 6 a.m. Sharp is in the morning rush. I am Tony C. He's Mike Burke, and we're done. Bye.